Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union labels. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Alan Nathan Show. Silker Joe Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today while he's off working on his book. I have a guest here waiting for me, so I'm going to ram right through our introductions here. But if Alan were here with us today, he would give to you his mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedrooms, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our first and second amendment rights. The Alan Nathan Show is a Main Street Radio Network production, so we want to thank the Main Street Radio Network for allowing this program to exist. Some of their sponsors have been objecting to the content. Even some of the Main Street Radio Network executives have, too. But we they have our backs. They appreciate the First Amendment, and so do we. And we appreciate their appreciation of the First Amendment. And we also want to thank the Salem Radio Network for distributing this program. Main Street Radio Network can be found at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. you also find out about the Al Nathan Show on there, the Silver Joe Show on there. You can also find out about the Al Nathan Show at AlNathan.com, on Twitter at Alan Nathan. The lawyer on Twitter at Main Street Radio for the Main Street Radio Network. They're also on Facebook, Main Street Radio Network. Alan does not particularly have his own Facebook page, but his postings are found under the Main Street Radio Network banner there. And, of course, the Silver Joe Show is on Getter, G-E-T-T-R.com, at Silver Joe Show. Now, at this point, Alan would usually read his three written topics. Today, I actually have them because I had plenty of notice that I was hosting. Subjects, CPAC Day 2, government overreach, censorship, and leftist infiltration of our institutions are big among the concerns of the attendees. And joining us right now to talk about how they're trying to take our money away in a way, aspect of it, by keeping us from getting our funding if we are have a crisis going on, we have Jacob Wells, co-founder of Gives and Go. Jacob, happy to have you. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate having right. me on. Happy to have you. So tell us a little bit about your organization. Yeah, so... Uh, Give, Send, Go has now been around for eight years, going on our ninth year. We started in 2014, myself and a couple of siblings. I'm one of 12 children, large family. Yeah, pretty crazy. Six boys and six girls. You don't hear about that much anymore. But uh, we, we saw what we, what we said was a need in the market. We saw platforms like GoFundMe riding on the back of social media platforms as they were blowing up 10 years ago. Social media was becoming a thing. Everyone was adopting it. And crowdfunding was riding on the back of that growth. And an easy way for people to donate. So we, we looked at that and we said, man, GoFundMe, they've got something cool here, but it's very narcissistic in its style. I mean, GoFundMe, it plays into the mantra of, of Americanism right now, which is all about me and everything. We said, that's not the way that giving should really be done. It actually should be more holistic. It should be community. It should be givers. It should be goers impacting their community. That's how we came up with the name. So, so we took the idea of crowdfunding and we said, let's make it better. And that's where Give, Send, Go came up. No background in it. We came from a blue-collar family. Dad owned a business up in New Hampshire. And, and we stepped into doing something and walked the journey out. And now here, eight-plus years later, we're in 86 countries around the world. We literally have people using us everywhere, from Japan to Australia to Europe uh, to South America to even Africa. We've got campaigns all over the world. It's amazing to see the growth. But, but we are. We're not the alternative to some of those other crowdfunding platforms. We're the replacement. We are moving faster. We're doing greater things, and we're excited about the journey in front of us. And you have quite a better record on deplatforming people because you go, if you read about GoFundMe or Patreon, they'll happily, if uh, political pressure builds, their executives will be like, okay, this conservative group, you're gone. Right. Uh, but you, you don't do that. No, we don't. We think that, that the best way forward to free societies into truth in general is the multiplicity, the plurality of ideas. This is why we have free speech, right? It's, it's for the conflict of those ideas to be borne out in the public sphere. It's not for siding with one idea over the other. This is where we get into trouble. It's what we've seen over the past couple of years with government intrusion into the speech and the censorship of speech and, and pressuring, including with big tech, to shut down. Now we're seeing the, the curtain being pulled back and we're seeing, wow, the the damaging ramifications of what they did and the harms that it caused to society is just, it's insane. So as a platform, we've allowed a lot of things, things that we don't even necessarily agree with, but we've allowed them because it's in that place of allowing things that we don't agree with that our own ideas are confronted and they are either validated or disproved. Mm -hmm. And just out there, for the listeners out there, you got to remember, 
conservatives and liberals can fall on hard times equally. They each, unless that's like, you know, hanging them by, giving them enough rope to hang themselves, you know, if it's not something they did, just accidents happen. Bad things happen to good right. people all the time on both sides of the aisle. And there are fine people on both sides as well. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> right. So everybody needs to help. You can't, and, and when you have folks like GoFundMe and Patreon deciding, well, guess what? This group does not deserve help because we don't agree with their politics. That's just wrong. It, it, it is. It's, it's morally wrong. It's reprehensible. It's uh, dehumanizing. I mean, the, the, the party of the left used to be uh, somebody, you know, a group that stated ideas like equality and tolerance. Now, everything that they're preaching is just the opposite. It's corporatism. It's supporting big pharma. It's supporting big government in their mandates and overreaches. It's crazy. And it's just destroying the working class people. And this is what freedom is intended for. It's by the people, for the people. And Gibson goes continuing to stand for that. That's why we've been under some of the attack that we've been under. What sort of attacks have you been under? So, there's there's the, the... Big government, our own government in particular, has been uh, coming at us recently. We just had 20 Democratic Congress people uh, send a letter to Janet Yellen, the Federal Reserve Chair, to try to get her to deplatform us based upon a ADL report, the Anti-Defamation League, that wrote a defaming article about Give, Send, Go. Kind of ironic there, but they took that article and then they ran with it and said, we need to get Give, Send, Go taken off the market, which is absolutely crazy. But these are... Congress people, Democratic Congress people, they just don't believe in free speech. They don't believe mm-hmm. in the freedom, and, and primarily even more so because a lot of the, the critique is around campaigns for legal defense funds. And they say, you know what, if you're poor, you shouldn't be allowed a private legal defense. Mm-hmm. You know, Nancy Pelosi's husband, when he gets pulled over for a drunk driving accident, he goes, oh, he can hire a private attorney because he's got the money. He earned it before. But if you don't have that money already and you want your crowd to help support you, in a legal defense, no way, we're not going to do that. And and so you see this duplicity. You've got these big agents that are coming after, putting the pressure on. It's fascinating to me. We're happy to talk with agencies and, and find out, but our policy is we let pe- we let freedom be the default position, right? It's not the anomaly. It's the default position. Yeah, it's just terrible to hear that, that you're facing such challenges from especially the people who claim to stand for free speech. And I think just some aspect of that, too, on the left, at least with their, some of their voters, they actually believe they are in favor of free speech. They actually have it in their heads that free speech means limiting people's speech. <laughs> because, right. like, hate speech is not free speech is like their slogan. And then, you know, you confront them with this, and they're like, well, guess what? You shouldn't be allowed to say these things anyway. We believe in free speech, but just free speech we approve of. And somehow... They managed to make that work in their minds that free speech that we approve of is equal to free speech. It is. It's it's crazy. It, it almost seems like a mental challenge that they're dealing with. It's like this split personality. It's, it's not a logical position. Free speech is free speech. All right. They're, they're, it's been thoroughly vetted and defined in the law uh, historically on what is classified in that. And now you get these, you know, terms like hate speech our misinformation, disinformation, that there's really no ability to regulate. But in their minds, they're, they're like, well, you know, what, what I deem as hateful then shouldn't be allowed. It's really a crazy position. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hit groups like the ADL. You know, I, I guess at some point in their past they have done some good. Right. But over the tor- over course of time, them and groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, basically it's like Democrats, uh, you know, whether in the media or in Congress, they say, hey, maybe we don't like this group so much. You guys put some pressure or maybe they'll just put some pressure on them with their own accord and then like it's like the democrats party runs both groups and uses the one to create the material that the other uses when persecuting people so going the democrats uh, use it citing the adl that basically be like i don't know if uh donald trump said hey uh the cnn they lied about me saying something and my son is my witness that i said the truth you know (laughs) it's very a lot of (laughs) very biased on their part <laughs> right yeah and, and that's how it works today i mean they're all scratching each other's back they're mm-hmm. all supporting their own narratives um and oftentimes the conclusions after a little bit of time is borne out um, you find that those narratives are false that they're, they're not true mm-hmm. yeah we got about a minute left here okay I, my brain's stuck that i've been having trouble hearing the music because of the crowd noise it is a lot louder. it, today. it is very so, loud a lot of people, people yeah so what is your impression of cpac so far have you actually been to any of these before 
We've been. This is our. Uh, this is our third one. Oh. And and so the other ones were like the Texas one, the half year switch. Yeah. Uh, th- things like that. So we're relatively new to this. Um, quite a lot of people. It's mm-hmm. cool to see some of the people that have used our platform, like Dr. Peter McCullough and mm-hmm. Dr. Robert Malone and Candace Owens and all of these people that have used Give, Send, Go successfully, raised lots of money for their causes. It's great to, to rub shoulders, talk with them, and then just see people in general. It's yeah. a great place to be. Yeah, uh, you get to meet the people who you've helped. I guess that's got to be a rewarding feeling, too. Very like, much so. Especially the, the, the gratitude that they might have and right. knowing that, you're the ones who actually helped them. No one else was going to. Right. And give us our listeners. We got 20 seconds left. Up. Hit. Where, where's your website at? The three simple words: give, send, go. Give, send, go.com, Leading fundraising platform globally. Check us out. All right, Jacob Wells, co-founder of Gives and Go. Thank you for being on the Alan Nathan Show, listeners. We have more to come after this. According to the new State of Security Preparedness 2023 study released by Avanti, approximately half of respondents said they are very prepared to meet the growing threat landscape, but expected safeguards are ignored a third of the time. And leaders are actually four times more likely to be victims of phishing compared to office workers. Avanti CEO Jeff Abbott. Avanti surveyed 6,500 executive leaders, cybersecurity professionals, and office workers globally to understand the perception of today's cybersecurity threats and to find out how companies are preparing for next generation cyber terror threats. The overwhelming majority of security professionals and leaders, 97%, told us their organizations are as prepared or more prepared today than one year ago. However, the threat of the unknown is as real as ever. In fact, only one in five of those same cybersecurity professionals would wager a chocolate bar on the state of their readiness. To learn more, visit Ivanti.com slash cybersecurity report. It has been over 30 years since Hurricane Andrew devastated South Florida. That storm marked the beginning of the Home Depot being a hub for help during disasters, a tradition that continues today. To commemorate those efforts, the company is releasing a new film called Hope Bills. Briar Waterman, Senior Director, Creative Design of the Home Depot. Drawing from interviews and using archive footage, we trace the origin, growth, and sophistication of the Home Depot's disaster relief efforts, demonstrating it is deeply connected to the values of the company and our unwavering support to our communities during their times of need. Whether it be a veteran in need or a community devastated by a natural disaster, Home Depot associates go beyond the job, beyond the nine to five, to make sure that their neighbors and communities are taken care of. This documentary is a prime example. To learn more about the film or for help creating your emergency supply kit, visit your local Home Depot or thehomedepot.com slash hopebills. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, Visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. Everybody. Silker Joe Show co-host Joe sitting in for Alan today while he's off working on his book. And we actually have someone who is a publisher of books and also picking up on the vein of the last segment with the Gifts and Go guest about uh, a platform where people are less likely to be canceled. We have Clayton Butcher. He is president of Cross Current Digital. Clayton, thank you for being on. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. All right, so tell us about uh, Cross Current Digital. Yeah, so we are the only Christian and conservative digital book platform that we have built from the ground up with uh, without big tech, so that we can protect and uh, and conserve the uh, titles with biblical and conservative values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, definitely important today. Now, when you mention protect, you mean you uh, other works that may be public domain or maybe on the verge of being censored. You uh, somehow take uh, have uh, can get a hold of their authors, I guess. Uh, that is actually an excellent idea. I may take that and use that. Um, okay. So it's not something that we had uh, uh, had in the uh, immediate future, but definitely something that we could look at. Yeah, yeah I was just thinking of that because in the news recently, you got Roald Dahl's right. those children books getting censored, and actually the original Ian Fleming James Bond books getting censored too, to some extent. Although in his case, he actually authorized that. It's probably kind of a mistake on his part, but. <laughs> Uh, I take it that's uh, not something that will be happening with your organization. Uh, that's correct. Yes. So basically, anything that uh, that does not go against biblical values is going to ha- going to be able to be protected on our platform. Mm-hmm. Now, how how big are you already? Uh, do you have uh, plenty of authors to your name already? Um, we've got about two thousand titles at the moment. Um, we've been in the works for two years, uh, bootstrapping this, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so we just this week are are doing a soft launch. So we've got about a couple thousand titles. We've got another ten thousand waiting. Uh, and uh, in the process of being uploaded, so uh, so we're just spinning up, and we've got contracts with uh, with tons of publishers. So we've got um, there there will be very quickly scaling up on the number of titles that we have. Mm-hmm. Now, is this entirely strictly digital, or do you do any sort of printing as well? Yes, it is exclusively digital. Uh, you have companies like Christian Book that do a great job with uh, with print, but there was a, a need in the digital space, uh, and so it's uh, audiobook and ebook. All right. Oh, so do you have people narrating the audiobooks uh, team for that, or is it just uh, you narrate your own and submit it? So CrossCurrent is a is a platform where we just sell the audiobooks and ebooks. So okay. it is, uh, but I do separately have audiobook publishing companies, which is actually how CrossCurrent came to be. I don't know if your users, uh, listeners, might be. Uh, uh, familiar with what happened with a book called When Harry Became Sally a couple of years ago by Ryan Anderson. And uh, I think I've heard of it, but that's okay. all I can remember from it. So <laughs> it didn't uh, didn't get any uh, airtime aside from on, on uh, you know alternative media. Uh, but uh, but Amazon censored the book, completely made it disappear. Uh, audio, ebook, print new print used from every uh, they just made the book completely disappear uh, two years ago last week wow. and so that was we had done the audio for that with uh, Black Hills Audiobooks which is uh, one of our audiobook publishing companies and so that was the impetus for Cross Current Digital mm-hmm. yeah, Was there anything particularly wrong with that book? Uh, why did Amazon get rid of it? Uh, it was the most compassionate and comprehensive critique of uh, how damaging the trans agenda is for those who espouse it and for society. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't like that. So two days before the Equality Act at the House floor, they made the evidence disappear. Wow. <laughs> it's, uh, why would they do that, though? Because like, it's not like anything in there wasn't you know, factual, wasn't something someone experienced. And the left is all about my truth and my lived experience. Those are the words they use in, uh, as synonyms for, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you a lie or something right now. So, But with all that talk of my truth, my lived experience, they're erasing the lived experience of other people. Right. Yep. They, they actually go into a lot of... Uh uh, a lot of detail. They have a lot of uh, uh, stories in there of, like you said, uh, first-hand experience. And I can't tell you why, aside from it's just not uh, it, it's it's not the way God designed us to be. Mm. And they don't want to accept that. They want to put what their desires above above anything else. Well, on that vein too, uh, people, you know, big tech with all their, with all that we've learned about them, generally they, we have the impression that they're left wingers, all of them, 
So how did you get the team together to assemble your uh, digital systems here when the stereotype is these people are just radical leftists who would just as sooner kick you in the shin than help you out? Yes, actually, that was a big concern. Uh, we, we started this uh, uh, basically in March, April of 2021, uh, so two years ago. So we had just seen what had happened with Parler. Uh, at being deplatformed, so from the very beginning we started. Uh, we realized, okay, we have to have everything from the the payments or from uh, URLs all the way through the payment systems be as insulated as possible from big tech and from uh, from cancellation. Uh, so it was a big concern for us when we were looking for a company to do the build, and uh, but we found uh, we vetted about uh, half a dozen companies, found uh, one that we were really comfortable with and, and uh, we're, we're sure that they were not going to, you know, there wasn't going to be an engineer on their team that puts in a kill switch uh, type of thing. So That's we, good. We, it, 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 was a, it was a long vetting process. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, I, I was concerned earlier this year, MainStreetMediaNetwork.com, the website that uh, runs the, that, uh, the show is affiliated with, and also AlanNathan.com, they, uh, they uh, were looking for a new web administrator. And it didn't seem like they were doing a political vetting. They just seemed to be like, okay, we'll just find whoever we think will do the best job. And I'm just sitting there, well, wait a minute. Uh, we do a lot of political talk shows. We've actually, the mainstream network has actually had sponsors who say, hey, we object to the content on, on your programs. We don't want to do business with you because of that. So I'm sitting there thinking, you're not vetting these website designers who can block us off the internet and probably, since our email servers are tied to the websites as well, just totally disable us. Yeah. It's terrible that you can't just think that your contractor or whoever is going to do an unbiased job. You have to vet them so thoroughly for their political beliefs. It is. It is sad. Um, and, and like I said, we had to do everything from uh, you know, all the way from the entire process so that there was uh, no choke point that we could identify that, uh, that we could be canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust it's been successful. You're having the soft launch today. Now, what exactly is a soft launch? I've heard that term before. I since this company was launched by the time I got here, I don't remember what it is, and I've never gone to any other company. So, so basically, um, we are waiting until we uh, have scaled a little bit to do uh, a hard marketing push. Um, but we are starting to let people know about it because uh, uh, this needs to be out there, and it needs to be out there two years ago. Mm-hmm. All right. About a minute and a half here. So at this point... What can our listeners do to help? Is there a website they can go to? Are you accepting donations? Because, you know, it's a soft launch. As you said, you're starting to scale up. What does it take to scale up, and what can we do to help? Gotcha. Uh, so you can go to gocrosscurrent.com. Uh, there's also crosscurrentdigital.com, uh, and um, you can actually begin to purchase books there. Um, we are working on a membership program that is going to be similar uh, subscription basis, so you can purchase a book uh, with a credit, uh, you know, one or two months, uh, one or two books a month with that. That's not quite up yet, um, and so what people can do actually, uh, you mentioned Give Send Go. Uh, we are using Give Send Go for pre-orders that we've been doing for a while, and so people can uh, can essentially purchase credits. Uh, before they're available uh, through the subscription system, and also we are giving away some some extra uh, extra goodies, uh, some swag with that as well. All right, cool. Clayton Butcher, president of Cross Current Digital, appreciate you being on the Al Nathan Show today, listeners. We got more coming up after this, so stick with us. that we don't overfeed our animals because feeding our animals more is not love you know there's so many other ways you can show love like throwing a ball and walking them and give them a little extra love the annual end obesity campaign by hills is wonderful for a guy like me and dr hodges who are practicing veterinarians because it's obesity like you said is one of those um, illnesses or conditions that we see most in the veterinary hospital. And it can be very difficult sometimes talking to clients about, you know, their patient being obese, you know. But Heels with their campaign have given us the tool to be able to get this message across. And it's something that they do annually. They've invested a lot of time, a lot of money into the research, into the pet food that we can use to help these animals that are obese. So you can go to npetobesity.com and you can learn a whole lot more about 
how you can actually use the love test as well as learn more about Hill's pet nutrition and ways to control your pet's weight. Hi there, it's Joe Montana. Life after football has been full of taking my shot at new things. Now I'm working with Pfizer to tell you about pneumococcal pneumonia. Pneumococcal pneumonia should be the last thing standing in your way. Pneumococcal pneumonia is a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can strike any time of year. It can disrupt your life for weeks, and in severe cases, it can put you in the hospital and even be life-threatening. And Joe knows that vaccination is one of the best ways to help protect himself from pneumococcal pneumonia. If you're 65 or older or 19 or older with certain underlying medical conditions like asthma, COPD, chronic heart disease, or diabetes, talk to your doctor or pharmacist about the risk of pneumococcal pneumonia and whether vaccination is right for you. Understand your risk at knownemonia.com. That's K-N-O-W pneumonia.com. This is your shot. This message is brought to you by Pfizer. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes, when we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM. So can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show, everybody. Silker Joe Show co-host Joe here at CPAC, filling in for Alan while he is off working on his book. And we are joined right now by two guests off here to talk about the media's gun control narrative. First, we have Curtis Houck. He's managing editor of Newsbusters. He's an expert on the media side. And then we have Dr. John Lott, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center and a Fox News columnist. He is author of the book, Gun Control Myths, How Politicians, the Media, and Botched Studies have twisted the facts on gun control. So I want to welcome both to you to the oh, show. Thank you. Good to be with you. All right. So I was just, something entirely unrelated that I was looking up information for, and I, I saw just interesting framing that the media has used for stories. Like, for example, 
it was uh, Visa and other credit card companies. They started tracking your purchases. If you like made, purchased a gun, they would mark that on your credit card statement with a special mark indicating that that is a gun. And then, like the Associated Press, the way they reported on that, they phrased it as, "While gun con- gun control or anti-gun control activists insist that quote." You know, most purchases don't lead to a mass shooting, unquote. (laughs) Just the way they frame that just seems absolutely horrific. It sounds like that these people are trying to protect mass shooters. That's just not the case. Well, I mean, it's even more misleading than that. The whole reason why the Biden administration has put pressure on them to track these sales is just to help create this national gun registry that they've been working on. As of the beginning of last year, they had almost a billion uh, purchases of guns that they had put into a computer file. They don't have all the most recent cases that are there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of work on media bias, not just in terms of the news media coverage, but also in terms of entertainment television. People just simply can't get away from it. And entertainment television, uh, you will look in vain in the last 20 years to see any cop show on ABC, CBS, NBC, or Fox that actually has a civilian successfully using a gun defensively. The only show in the last 20 years that's even shown somebody using a gun successfully defensively is Paramount's Yellowstone, and they have two episodes where that's happened. And I'll just add that, sure enough, it's incredibly popular. That, that, that this show, That's a show that's watched by people across the political spectrum. It has a number of spinoffs. Um, it, it's one of the most listened to shows or watched shows on all of TV and streamed on Paramount+. Plus. So, um, so there's that. And also, you know, to your point about Visa, that's the kind of thing that isn't necessarily reported in the mainstream media um, because they don't have a problem with it. And when they do, obviously, it's to voice state agreement with it. But I think that's also important to note that it's not just necessarily the media covering things that they like that are happening. They're not covering things uh, because they don't see a problem with it, because otherwise they might. Because you just think, shoe on the other foot, or for example, Visa did that with abortions, for example. Uh, they started tracking anyone who paid for an abortion with their credit card. You wouldn't hear the end of it. Mm. And they're just... <laughs> To be scandalous, and, and not only that, but the media isn't even making informed statements about it. I was reading something, I think it was over at NBC or ABC News, where they were advocating for gun control, and they just like got entirely wrong what bump stocks are, what pistol braces were. They just were getting all yeah. of that wrong. Well, I mean, you mentioned pistol braces. You will search in vain to find any explanation for why pistol braces existed to begin with. They were set up because you had military veterans who may have lost part of their hand or may be partially paralyzed. And the point of the pistol brace is essentially a strap that fits around the arm. So when there's the recoil from the gun, somebody who is missing part of their hand uh, can still hold on to the gun that's there. It was making it so that disabled people were able to go and use guns defensively. Uh, you will, you know, you think any normal discussion, whether it's policy or whatever, would maybe point out both the pros and the cons for some type of device that was there. Uh, You know, on the con side, they'll go and mention this mass public shooter at Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, that used it. No discussion about whether it actually made it easier for him to go and commit the crime, because as far as I know, there's absolutely no evidence that it affected his ability to go and commit the crime at all. But they just throw it out there as if they assume that it made a difference, and then they don't mention any of the benefits that are there. So it's really, you know, it's like they're just trying to make the case for the other, for the regulation without giving people any context. Yeah, I should, you know, how long did it take you to explain all that? Not very long. So there's just a lack of curiosity and a purposeful lack of education in the news media when it comes to firearms or really any a lot of issues to begin with because so much of the news is superficial and they have a narrative to push. Um, so, yeah, that's just the thing that struck me as uh, we were talking about. I'll give you another example. Uh, uh, a year and a half ago, we did a kind of a deep dive on all the defensive gun use coverage in the media. And uh, uh, you'll find, for example, there were like 2,000 defensive gun use stories across the country uh, in 2021. Most of those involve instances where the attacker was killed. 
42% of them involve instances where the attacker has been seriously wounded. Only 4% of those involve simple brandishing to go and stop the attack. And most of those were cases where the attacker was held at gunpoint until the police arrived. The problem is we know that the vast majority, 95% or so, of defensive gun uses involve brandishing. But, you know, it's kind of, if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, this may even be kind of an unintentional bias that's there. There's plenty of intentional biases. But, uh, you know, people hear this, they think almost always when I use a gun defensively, I'm going to shoot the person who's doing the attack, whereas the opposite is is actually the case on that. Um, you know, there are other uh, issues that are there, too, in terms of uh, just... Uh, you know, you could go and read the top five newspapers in the country, the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today, and the Wall Street Journal. During that year, they had a total of 10 defensive gun use stories that they had, and almost all of those had something go wrong in terms of they shot the wrong person, whatever, which is actually incredibly rare. But, you know, they had over 2,700 news stories of gun crime stories there. So somebody could think, I'm well-read. I almost never hear about a defensive gun use that occurs. I'm constantly hearing about bad things that happen with guns. And maybe if I caught the one or two stories where they had a defensive gun use, something went wrong. So why not just ban guns? Because what am I giving up as a result of that? Yeah, it's just a purposeful you know, narrative that's being said. You know, if you want to, at its most basic function, the news media is supposed to answer the who, where, when, why, and how of a news story. And so by not including defensive gun use, you know, examples or providing the full picture and really only focusing on ones where something went wrong, you've built this narrative that really ignores basic facts of journalism because you want a well-informed citizenry. So you're not, you know, readers, listeners are not well served by, you know, just kind of burying of the news. And instead, you're left with the sensational view of gun owners like Joy Behar in the last uh, January, I believe, she said that gun owners have a mental illness and that uh, people who wear gun lapels, lapel pins, are causing children to die. I mean, it's just, uh, again, it goes for the jugular, go for sensationalism, you know, go for what's going to draw the most attention. I mean, I can understand if I'm editor of a news bureau and I have two stories, in one case there's a dead body on the ground. In another case, let's say a woman's brandished a gun, the criminals run away, no shots are fired, no crime actually committed. You're not even sure what crime would have committed. I could understand why I'd run with the first story over the other in terms of newsworthiness. Now, in terms of policy, as you say, you care about both of those types of things that are going to be occurring. But, you know, the thing is, uh, since the beginning of 2000, we've collected uh, 40 cases where, according to police, a citizen with a permanent concealed handgun stopped what otherwise would have been a mass public shooting. Virtually none of those get national news coverage. And, uh, you know, but if the person hadn't been there and the attack had occurred, it would have gotten international news coverage. Uh, But there there are lots of cases I can give you over time. So you may remember uh, the Pulse nightclub shooting near Orlando, Florida. At the time, it was the worst mass public shooting. One week after that, there was a similar attack at a nightclub in South Carolina. Uh, Three people were shot. Uh, The attacker was shooting a fourth when a permit holder pulled out his gun and seriously wounded the attacker in stopping the attack. The Pulse nightclub shooting was still getting massive international attention. The the attack in South Carolina got almost no news, got nothing outside of local media. You would think, just here we have another nightclub. The guy was stopped. He still had 125 rounds of ammunition on him. You have a hero... The big difference between Florida and South Carolina was Florida was one of 10 states that banned people carrying concealed handguns in establishments that got more than 50% of their revenue from alcohol. South Carolina was one of the 40 states that allowed people to carry in places that get more than 40% of their revenue, 50% of their revenue from alcohol. And yet, uh, you would think just because of the sensitivity of the issue, I can give you school shooting examples and others that are similar, that, you know, it's just hard to figure out why they don't... Here you have a hero that solved a similar crime that would have been similar, but 
for his presence there, and they don't cover it. All right, 15 seconds left. Mark, yeah. uh, Curtis Huck, final word. Yeah, I think that's the kind of story. Yes, if, if it, yeah, there's, there's the if it bleeds, it bleeds is completely true. But also what's great, too, is a hero story. The media love those kinds of stories of people standing up to the bad guy. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember... There is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat. Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans' organization has provided more real-time, 
ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PDA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. All right. Welcome to the last part of the Alan Nathan Show today while our guest fixes his headphones here. Uh, we are wrapping up here. This is going to be heard at 6.50 in the evening for you listeners out there. This is actually being recorded at 1.50. That's why we're able to do this. And we are joined now by John O'Shea. He is a business owner. And, oh, I just forgot. We just literally grabbed him because the last guest canceled. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, nothing like being uh, second fiddle. No. Uh, I'm a <laughs> Tarrant County Republican precinct chair as well. Wait, uh, where is that, uh, Tarrant County? Fort Worth. It's the largest oh, red district in the country. Oh, wow. And it's the 15th largest county. And I'm good friends with our Attorney General, Ken Paxson. And like he likes to say, if Tarrant County falls, Texas falls, Texas falls, the country mm-hmm. falls. Yeah. yeah. You guys have been definitely the bastion of keeping conservative thought and ideas alive. Especially, and i got to wonder, how do you feel then about like neighboring counties? Like I guess you've watched Houston and Austin start turning blue. Well, and even Dallas. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Dallas was traditionally a red county as well. And then once it fell, now it's 75-25, typically year in, year out. So it's, mm. it's going to be hard to reclaim. But but we did a good job. We just, in the, the midterms, we just elected a very conservative uh, county judge and who's kind of like the CEO for the county. And uh, we have a, a very conservative district attorney, uh, sheriff. So I, it's, a, it's a very red county. I don't think Fort Worth's in jeopardy of falling anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So being in that area, though, have you seen like what trends led to the downfall of the other areas? Yeah, so it's... It's one of those things where it's just kind of this infiltration of outside money kind of coming in and really encouraging you know people to uh, they start chipping away at that well the Soros with you know because Austin Travis County and uh, Houston and Dallas counties they, they have Soros district attorneys and it seems like once to get the judges in and, and they ran on a number of the other municipal and criminal court judges as well. And then they just start chipping away at the city council, and the next thing you know. And there's been a large number of transplants, too. Mm -hmm. Whereas most people who are coming in from California or Illinois or New York are moving to get away from that. Unfortunately, the ones that are drawn, especially in Austin with all the tech, it seems like they still bring their liberal liberal tendencies with them. Yeah, it seems to be more like... They don't think that their pattern of voting is the problem. They think, you know, maybe <laughs> the people around them or the people that they voted in are the problem. Well, you know, you always have that friend or family member that seems to always have the same troubles that follow them around from locale to locale, no matter what the situation, and they never stop and look in the mirror and think, well, maybe I'm the problem. And unfortunately, I think it's that way with them with this ideology as well. Yeah, so I got just the on-air sign there. Someone's about to wander over. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, our assistant said I should have an on-air light for that. Anyway, um, it seems also that, like, part of it, too, even if they recognize perhaps what the problem is, there's just this, well, my ideas would work if only they were implemented right. We just hear that all the time. Well, left and right, that's just the sickness that, you know, yeah. if everything was perfect, then my ideas would work, and you just assume you're going to find perfection. It... Uh, Unintentionally, I think it ends up being a very narcissistic ideology, just to your point. I mean, yeah, socialism, Marxism, authoritarianism has never worked, but they haven't tried my style of it, or they haven't tried my brand of it yet. And they've wrapped up, it's, you know, and friends, and we talk about it, and it's like they're not a God-fearing people, per se. And so it's almost like it's become their religion, this kind of woke ideology, um, the transgenderism, the sexualization of kids, the drag queen story hours and the you know just even the whole green energy movement not realizing that it's an anti-human kind of movement and and they get so wrapped up i mean it's their identity and it it becomes a hysteria i mean just look at you know like for example here there's nobody wearing a mask and if you see somebody wearing a mask you generally get that they're media and they're probably not on the conservative persuasion because we all know that we've seen the studies masks don't work and yet if you leave here and you go into dc You'll see a, a large proportion of people still wearing masks because, as 
um, Mark Twain said, it's easier to fool people than convince them they've been fooled. Mm-hmm. Well, heck, uh, I've been boarding over in uh, Fairfax County, and I went into a Walmart there the other day to get that TV that's sitting behind me. Okay. And everyone, it seemed like half the people in there, masks on. And it's like, now the studies have shown that, you know, the N95 masks at least would protect you from COVID if they're tightly fitted and all. These were just like the loose-fitting right. cloth masks to surgical masks. It's like... Well, some not even worn correctly. And, and even the N95s, I mean, they have to be worn properly. My right. family was all in healthcare. My dad was a doctor. My mom ran a surgical unit. And, I mean, you're not supposed to put it on, pull it down, wipe your nose, eat, mm-hmm. you know, and then constantly fidget with it and keep it on for multiple hours. I mean, you know, to sterilize. So it's, it's performative at this point in time. And yeah. I think part of it is just them virtue signaling, hey, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a Republican. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part of it. But I know some other people, too. They, the really COVID hysteria just really drilled right into their skull. They still think that if they don't do that, they're going to die. Well, again, it, it, yeah. you know, I mean, it was that kind of mass formation psychosis. Right. And when CNN and MSNBC are putting this death toll Chiron, you know, mm-hmm. constantly streaming, and nobody's saying there's a difference between died of COVID or died with COVID. And right. people see these numbers. And, you know, they think, oh, my gosh, i got to take these extraordinary precautions, even though we started to learn, look, it doesn't affect the young. It doesn't affect people without comorbidities. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just think of it even then. There was never anything from the alphabet agency saying, hey, how about go get some fresh air and some sunshine? How about take some vitamin D and some zinc? Exercise, maybe lose a little weight. No, it was just always, hey, we've got this new vaccine. Just take the jab, take the yeah. jab, take the jab, and mask, social distance, and so then these people become isolated and fearful and, and kind of, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, and I, I'll just add that because my mom's experienced this, while you were in isolation, your immune system is not up to right. snuff anymore. So when you do finally go back out there or whatever, it, it, even just the common cold going around could knock you off your feet when pre, prior to that you would have been fine. Well, look at look at what's happened to countries that did severe lockdowns, and then once things open back up, like Australia, I mean, all of a sudden now it's rife throughout. They are also very highly vaccinated, and so mm-hmm. they've had a lowered immune system as a result of that. I mean, it makes sense, you know, if you're heavily vaccinated or if you typically take a lot of courses of antibiotics, you weaken your immune system. So you've not had any exposure. You come out and reemerge from that. And then the people who've been vaccinated now, unfortunately, are having a higher propensity of being hospitalized. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, is the early propaganda about the vaccine taking hold, like Joe Biden coming out saying, you won't get COVID, you won't be hospitalized, you won't die if you take the vaccine. None of that is true. And he himself has had COVID. And and nobody's apologized. Nobody's admitted that they lied or that they were wrong. And in fact, they just try and whitewash that and just mm-hmm. pretend like the internet doesn't exist and right. we can't go back and look and see what they said and see that they either purposefully or unintentionally lied to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, just always playing off that fear. All right. John O'Shea, thank you very much for being on the Al Nathan Show. we got 10 seconds here. Where can we find out about uh, your county? Uh, well, Tarrant County, uh, I'd go to the Tarrant County Republican uh, Party website, and you can follow me on John C. O'Shea, uh, at John C. O'Shea on Twitter. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to the Al Nathan Show today. Instagram is our website. Be seeing you. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.